here with the boys. Here, 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 boys. Here with the boys. Sound like a good one. Yeah, I didn't hear it, but works okay, for well, me. Okay, well, hope that works. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another happy hour with Beer with the Boys. I am one of your hosts, J-Dog, Jake, Mac, whatever you want to call me today, alongside my trusty co-host, Oscar-nominated co-host, AMA-nominated co-host, Grammy Award-winning co-host, those are mu- movies and music. I'm yes, all the above co-host. Scooter McGavin, <clears throat> Mr. Jeremy over there. How are you doing? I'm good. I think allergy season is upon me. It's happening. I, hear you. I mowed the lawn on Sunday, and I'm still feeling it. So, Oh, boy. <clears throat> Bear with me. I'm going to try my best here. That's fine. I, I am feeling the same way, and I didn't mow the lawn yet. So it's uh, it's that time of year. It definitely is. But it means the weather is nicer and we can be outside more. This is true. Yes, absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest today. Perhaps our most important guest to date. And 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 maybe our most famous guest to date. Maybe. I don't know how we keep track, but we'll go well, with it. <laughs> And and but one that we I, I we're definitely excited about here, and we're getting it right at it at the right time of year, right time in her professional career. We have Doctor Beth Borgen, the president of Lakeland University, been president for 110 days officially today, I believe, maybe 111. Um, she'll she she'll I'm sure she'll know the exact figure. Um, but we are very excited for 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 this conversation to to hear how those first hundred days have gone, how her journey to presidency began and and ended up that way. Uh, a longtime musky overall, and uh, we're we're very excited for her here. So Beth, how the heck are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jake. Um, I don't know how many days it's been, so I'm glad you did the math, and I sure hope I can live up to the hype that you just <laughs> you just set the bar high. So. Absolutely, we like to hype hype all our guests up, and, <laughs> and, and, and hopefully it works out. So, um, excellent. Well, as I said, we're very excited to have you on uh, and hear how everything has gone, how you feel everything is 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 going to go, and and you know, especially talk about how you taking over as president in the midst of a pandemic, which is, is, you know, not many people have the, have the chance to say that. So um, we're, we're, we're just excited for this conversation overall, but um, as we like to get started here, we put on an hour on the clock. The time starts as soon as I'm done asking this first question. What are you drinking today, Beth? So I am drinking a comfort drink, whiskey, old fashioned, sour, with dilly beans as a garnish. That's that's a must. I've, I've located these dilly beans at the local Piggly Wiggly in Howard's Grove. And if you haven't had them in your whiskey, they're a great garnish. I don't even know what a dilly bean is. Yeah, what is a dilly bean? You don't know what a dilly bean is? <laughs> no. <laughs> have, do you have, have you gardened before? Do you garden? Not well. No, no? okay. <laughs> Uh, you grow green beans, you grow dill, um, you grow garlic, 
throw it all in a jar and pickle it for a long time and a little bit of vinegar, a little bit of salt. And um, if you like spice, a little bit of pepper or chili pepper and let them, let them go for a few months and they're very, very tasty. So it's like a pickle sort of, but it's a pickled green bean. That just sounds incredible. Yeah, man. I'm it's sold. really good in whiskey. It's also very good in a Bloody Mary. I'm sold. Already sold right <laughs> sold. there. I like, yeah. And you can find them at the at the Howard's Grove Pig. Howard's Grove Pig has some really good ones. I think they're actually out of a Door County farm. Okay. But yeah, Howard's Grove Pig. That's the source. Excellent. I'm going to have to, to check. And a whiskey sour or old-fashioned sour is, is great on its own. But now now you got, you got us hooked on trying something. This kind of amps it up a little bit. Exactly. That might be the fanciest drink that we've had on the on the podcast yeah. thus far. I'm all for this. All right, uh, Germ, what do you got? What do you got today? Um, so we went to Foxtown Brewing over in Mequon over the weekend, and anytime I go to a brewery, you know I got to grab some beer to go. So I've got the Hidden Well Hazy IPA today. Pretty Ooh. good. Is it a new one? That brewery? I have it's no been around a while. It's been around, I think, since last year, 2019. Hmm. Not really sure. Right. <clears throat> didn't have the greatest service experience but the beer was really good so is, is it a restaurant as well yeah it's like a brew pub type thing so got it yeah. got it well it's good beer does good it make beer. the top 10 breweries that you've drinking from no probably not okay all right it's a tough well. list to make you know <laughs> it's, you it's just, in the top 50 at least like if you gotta have a full whole, holistic experience not just uh good beer that's you're true. gonna serve food so it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. Excellent. Well, I am drinking. I am back uh, for on, on Basil Hayden's here um, today. Just the classic Basil Hayden's, a great bourbon whiskey, neat and uh, very smooth. So definitely go pick some up if you haven't tried it yet. So you need to soak some dilly beans in it for yeah. a little while. I guess so. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got it. I might. So we'll see what time we get done with this, and I might just head over to the page <laughs> and, and get those tonight. That'd be great. Um, excellent. So um, good deals. We're all drinking something a little bit different. That always means for a good episode. Um, and the second question here for you, Beth, uh, is what we call the shotgun start. So this is three things that you have recently tried that is is, is new to you, um, be that a recipe, a beverage, a hobby, music, TV, whatever, um, or you can include things that you are planning to try new in the not so distant future. So what do you, what do you got for us? All right. So the not so distant future, uh, my son has been wanting to learn how to fish for muskies. So he's been saving his money up for a muskie fishing pole, which we were able to get last weekend. And we're going to head up North this weekend. I I don't know anything about muskie fishing, but my understanding is the season doesn't actually start until May but he's going to start learning and, and learning how to cast because it's much different than regular fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a family, we're all learning how to musky fish. Excellent. That's awesome right there. I've, I've gone musky fishing a couple times. I've, I've had no luck so far, but I, uh, I wish you all the best of luck. Do I've heard that musky is the fish of a thousand casts. Doesn't well, happen often, but when it think, happens, it's worth it. <laughs> I think in that if those if that ratio is correct, I think I have fifty more casts than then I might have one. All right, <laughs> so you're getting close. <laughs> yes, almost there. Almost there. Yeah. Uh, the other two things I thought of were more COVID related. As a family and uh, with little ones, not being able to go out and about, we found some interesting things to keep us busy, but have turned out to be incredibly entertaining and something we'll probably continue to do even beyond COVID. 
Um, the first was Wii Bowling. I was able to buy an old, like a refurbished Wii and we have been bowling and it's been really fun. And the kids didn't know what a Wii was. They, you know, they never grew up with that, but uh, yeah. So Wii bowling competitions have been really fun. Um, And the other kind of odd (laughs) thing that now we really enjoy, I'm going to miss tonight because it's at 630, but is Wheel of Fortune. As a family, we have a little competition going because not to brag, but mom is pretty darn good at Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> so we have a running bet. The kids try to beat me every night. Um, just one puzzle. All they got to beat me in is one puzzle and I'll give them 20 bucks. And and so far, I've not had to pay anyone. Can we get in on that too? Like we'll be over yeah. next time. I might, I might be able to get it. You never know. So we'll pause the record. In fact, we'll continue recording at 630. We'll try to win as well. Everyone just put Wheel of Fortune on and we'll go from there. Oh, I is... hadn't watched it in years, but man, we were, we're pretty entertained by it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a it's a great game show, classic. But I'm going back to the Wii. Yeah. I don't know if I have officially felt old until you just said that your kids didn't know what a Wii was until this last year. Because <laughs> that glad was could help you feel old. <laughs> yeah, I think like I don't I don't I think middle school, maybe early high school is when the Wii came out for us, and like that was well, everyone had the Wii. And you were playing Just Dance on it at like every New Year's party. It was great. It was the cool thing because it involved yeah. movement, not just sitting there. Mm-hmm. It was great. You got Wii Sports on there and Wii Fit. And you could do, that's how I learned how to do yoga on the, on the Wii Fit board. And there's a whole generation that didn't know what a Wii was. That is. Yeah, they don't. Oh if you know how to troubleshoot for right now, we can't figure out everything's black and white and we can't figure out how to fix that. It was color at one point in time, but now everything's black and white. Hmm. But we still bowl. It's just yeah. black and white. It makes it feel <laughs> even older. There you go. Vintage is in. So there you go. Black and white. We bowling. Nailed it. Oh boy. Have you have you have you learned the the secret technique to getting a strike every time on it yet? No, I haven't. But can you tell me? Yes. So as <laughs> you move all the way over to the far right hash, are you right-handed or left-handed first? I'm a lefty. Okay. So you, you'll move it all the way over to the, the far left hash Okay. or your, your line. You won't move anything else. And then when you go to swing, you won't just do a full swing. You'll just kind of, you'll, you'll take it back. And when you bring it to your waist, you just twist it real quick. Oh. inside and that's what makes the curve so it doesn't look like you're bowling anymore but it hits a strike every time so when you need to pull out a couple strikes to to win that's how All you right. do it i appreciate the tip i'll have to i'll have to give that a whirl that's the cheat code to, for we <laughs> <laughs> there we go so good shotgun start i like i like those ones so scooter jeremy whatever we're calling you today what question why don't you kick us off here i've got a fun one to start <clears throat> Ever since I knew that you were coming on, I knew I had to ask this question. But is the house haunted? Ooh. Where, where we're living right now? Yeah, because you live in, like, the president's house at Lakeland, right? Yeah. Is it haunted? I don't think so. I hope not. <laughs> I hope a whole can <laughs> of worms gonna there. Now I'm going to be freaked out. <laughs> I don't know. We had some weird experiences at Lakeland, so I just needed to know. I think, I think Nash <laughs> is the haunted one that used to be the president's house. Maybe that was it. Yes, so that the was the where... original. I think that was the original president's house, that yep. building. Yep. So that's the one that's haunted. I don't know who the first president to live in, in the current president's house would have been. Mm. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I know Dr. Black lived here in the 80s and 90s. Okay. 
And that's the last time there was actually kids in here. Um, up until now, obviously, but yeah. no, I, that's, a, oh, Jeremy, now I'm kind of freaked out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cause I had to ask. Okay. Good <laughs> point. It would, it would have been great if we could have had a ghost story. On like, here. Not yet. Next time when we bring you on in a year, maybe we'll have a ghost story to share. Yeah. And uh, that would be great. We'll bring you on around Halloween. We'll see what happens. So far, uh, knock on wood, we have not had any unusual experiences. Well, that's good. That's it means you're welcome there. So that's a that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess my first question here will be kind of just that just that open question. Why don't you give the people sort of a background about about you, uh, where you came from, how do you how you got to to where you are, what your what your journey has been like here? Sure. Um, you know, and I was just listening to something. I can't even remember what it was on the radio. And, and it was, what would your 18-year-old self say to you now? Which I thought was really interesting. Um, when I was in high school, I worked at the local gas station. I was a janitor at the high school. I actually made, if you ice fish, I, I manufactured ice fishing tip-ups. There was a little company in my hometown that did that. So I kind of did a little bit of everything. Didn't really know what I wanted to do, but um, my parents did not go to college and, and, and couldn't afford to send me to college. So I worked quite a bit to save up for that. Um, did a lot of babysitting. <laughs> there you go. Um, and, and then my college career, I didn't, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I started in education and I, after one class decided that wasn't for me in terms of, I, I wanted to be a teacher, but then I took a class and realized I didn't want to be a teacher. Um, but I had a great professor in communication that I really liked and that's the, the path I ended up following. So I was a communication undergrad and leadership studies minor with no idea what I wanted to do. <laughs> but I, I bartended and waitressed my way through college. So I, I figured I wanted to go in some sort of service industry. Um, so when I first graduated, I took the first job that was offered because I just needed a job. So I was a restaurant manager at the Oneida Casino. Um, and I did that for two months <laughs> before another opportunity came up that I quickly went for because the, the casino was not for me. Um, I would go home and hear bells all night long. It was crazy. But um, yeah, then I got into kind of special events, special event management. Again, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I certainly believe that everything happens for a reason. And had I not had that two month stint in restaurants, I wouldn't have gotten the event management position and I wouldn't have gotten to Lakeland, which was where I started in the alumni office uh, planning alumni events. So that's kind of how I landed at Lakeland. It was a weird way to get there. Didn't expect to be in higher ed. Um, so I did the alumni gig for a couple of years and then an opening came up in advancement. And again, nobody grows up thinking they're going to be a fundraiser, nope. um, but it was an opportunity to kind of grow and, and learn something new. So um, went down that road for a couple of years and just continued to add to my portfolio and to my responsibilities. And at one point in time, I, I actually um, rewrote my job description. I created a job that didn't exist with a job description that I felt that I could do that would help support my boss. And that led to the next stage where I was associate vice president and um, yeah, then just was able to, to move into the vice president role once that opened up. And from there, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was really focused on fundraising and external relations. I didn't know what my future was. Um, and then Dr. Black came back 
and I had never met him before. I've heard of him. Um, and we started talking and planning and, and as things moved along, he's actually the one that suggested, well, would you ever want to be a college president? And I said, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> that doesn't sound like, like something I, I plan to do. But um, the more I got to know him and the more I got to understand what it meant to be a college president, I thought, yeah, this actually could be pretty interesting. And so he encouraged me to go get my doctorate, which then that was kind of the next step. If I even wanted a chance to ever be one, I knew I had to get a terminal degree. So um then focused the last couple of years on the doctoral studies and finished them up literally in the nick of time, like right before the interview process started. <laughs> um, and again, everything happens for a reason. I'm in a place I never thought I would be um, and still learning a lot. I think that's one of the cool things about being in higher ed and certainly being in the president's position is I know I don't know everything. I never will, but I am surrounded by really smart people that are willing to help and support. Um, and I enjoy being able to do something new every day. There's different challenges every day. You never quite know what every day is going to look like. Um, but it's also really rewarding when you can see kind of big picture things falling into place, um, especially when they directly impact our students. So that was a long-winded answer, but that's kind of <laughs> no, where I came from. <laughs> that's, that's the journey. That's exactly kind of what I was what I was looking for there. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it, it's kind of cracks me up though because we were just talking about on one of our past episodes, like I don't know if it's a millennial mentality, but what something we've noticed is a lot of like us and our friends like switching positions. Well, maybe not you specifically, but kind of switching roles from within companies to different places just kind of trying to accept that new challenge because that's mm -hmm. what we crave. But it sounds like you've found the perfect position you can stay at and continue mm -hmm. to have new challenges every day, which sounds pretty fun. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> no, I feel, I feel blessed. I've been at Lakeland. This is my 16th year. So it's not like I'm, it would, it would be really hard to jump in and be <laughs> all hands on deck as a college president. If you came from the outside, like mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine the learning curve there so um and, and i'm not saying it's not good to get outside perspective but um i think my last 15 years and learning the the intricacies of specifically lakeland and our culture and our community but also our you know we've, we're unique we have a traditional residential campus we have an adult 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 education program and we have a campus in tokyo so we're we're a pretty unique small liberal arts university um I can't imagine trying to learn all that in the first hundred days um, if I didn't already know Lakeland. Yeah. So I got a question for you. It's always a fun one for me to ask. What, right. What's been one of your biggest challenges going into the first hundred days of being the president of a university? I think it is, you mentioned earlier, it's a really unique time to start in this role, given that we're in pandemic mode, like the operations of the university are very different because of the current kind of crisis that we're under. Um, but in some regards, it's helpful, again, that I know and trust all the people on the leadership team that are making decisions and meeting constantly to try to be sure that we can be as safe as possible. Um, so the pandemic certainly has challenges, lots of challenges, including financial challenges that we're working through. But um, I think probably the, well, I would say two things, time management, 
Like, how can I, if I am booked solid in meetings for eight, nine hours a day, how can I also get work done without working in around the clock? I think that's a constant balance, um, especially in the first hundred days when there's so much listening that needs to happen. So meeting with staff, meeting with faculty, meeting with board members, meeting with community members, there's so much listening that needs to happen, I think, in the first you know, 100 days-ish of a presidency anywhere. Um, certainly time management is a challenge. Um, trying to think what else, creating, eh, creating boundaries is also a challenge, I think for anyone in any organization, you wanna be a leader and you wanna get as much done as you can possibly get done but you also want to set the tone and set an example that the expectation and working in your organization isn't that you're going to be working 24 seven. So I think trying to balance that um, again during a pandemic has been a little more challenging than normal. Yeah, this pandemic just needs to be over. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, the other thing that was um, challenging, but but surprising to me, and it shouldn't have been, it makes sense, but um, is the level of involvement that parent have parents have with this generation of students. Um, and I just hadn't thought about that. But of course, parents who have concerns are going to come to the president's office. I, I guess I didn't realize how much of a generational difference there is, um, which in, in some ways we can turn into a positive. How can we support our students to advocate for themselves and to kind of start becoming more independent? Because beyond college, I can't imagine the parents are going to start calling their employers. I mean, at some point there has to be some independence and some self-advocacy. So that, I guess, for whatever reason, I didn't anticipate that. Um, but again, I think it helps inform us of who is our current generation of students and what do they need in the future. Just reminds me of one time working the switchboard at Lakeland back when they had that still. I got a call from a mom asking me if I knew where her son was. I was like, no, well, he hasn't answered my phone calls in like four hours. I'm really worried. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I can't. Like, I don't know who your son is. Um, you can try calling security. I don't know what to do. Yeah. But I was like, and okay. it's all it's all well intentioned. It's all because they love their kids. But how can we, as a as a community, as a university, also support our students in learning how to be independent and advocate for themselves? It's a delicate balance. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> The switchboard calls. There's always, you can always account for at least one, one strange one coming each week. It's always, always when I was on the phone, though. Yep, you were the guy. I was you the were, guy. People knew I that you imagine, were working. I, I, got one. I would imagine you you could have a list of what are what are the weirdest things that you got asked when working switchboard. The that would be interesting. By far the weirdest one. It's a quick story. <laughs> um, this older gentleman called to ask me if anyone on camp if i knew of anyone on campus that would like to live with him for very cheap rent he's got a pool he's just a lonely old man and just wants some company i was like um i okay <laughs> and then i was like let me just take your information down i'll forward it so like, i'm gonna transfer to you nobody. To <laughs> i'm gonna transfer you to somewhere that's not on this campus because i don't think that's something that anyone's gonna want to do it's like, yeah, I'll pay for their food. I have a pool and all this stuff. Just need some friends. I'm like, not the place to do it, man. Not the place. Oh, Wrong wow. number. <laughs> Wonder what that guy's doing nowadays. Hopefully, hopefully he found. 
somebody to be friends with, I guess. What a guy. I never thought about that, but yeah, you probably heard some really weird things. Yep. Some, some weird ones come through some, some angry. Sure. And, oh man, it's a, it's a wild ride having the, having the switchboard in your office. (laughs) But that gives uh, you life skills. You're preparing for how to troubleshoot. Preparing for anything. (laughs) You don't know what's coming at you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, So something that I sparked a question for me, and this was something that uh, you brought up now and you brought up, we had the, um, our kind of our, our, our group meetings last mm-hmm. week. And I was, I was in that. Um, and you had said right in the beginning, one of the important things for you um, is being able to set that boundary and set that example of setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, especially as a, as, as, you know, sort of, I like to think that I'm still rather new in my professional career. We always had this vibe and we always got this sort of, uh, knowledge growing up that you got to do as much work as possible and it's okay to work from 8 a.m to 8 p.m and or even later than that and you know kind of put your family on hold for a little bit because it's going to get you to that next level and such um but i don't think that's necessarily that's certainly not a good thing and if you're working 12 hours a day compared to eight hours a day are you really getting that much more done or are you just doing busy work and trying to make your time or you're getting there before your boss and you're not waiting until your boss leaves so you can you know set that precedence and such um but but you you have made that a priority for yourself um and and again setting that example for 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 everybody at lakeland that when a certain time rolls around be with your family be with your friends don't get burnt out. What, at what point in your professional career did you realize the importance of being able to set that, that, that boundary? That's a good question. So my husband and I, you know, in the early years of our kids, um, he was working nights and from nights he moved to second shift. We've always had to kind of create some sort of balance to make our lives work because of his profession. Um, He's on days now, which certainly helps. And the kids are a little older, which helps. But we've always kind of as a family tried to figure out how to make it work without sacrificing kind of the young years of the kids. Um, I've Typically, I mean, certainly I've, I've worked long hours here and there as needed, but I've always tried to have that sense of boundary. I think when it really hit me was, honestly, the pandemic, I think, has created a really unnatural um, sense of boundary because we were all working remote. We were just fighting fires constantly. I mean, we were, the leadership team was talking all the time, evening meetings, just whatever, trying to figure out what, what the heck, you know, this, none of us have ever experienced this. What do we do? How do we keep everyone safe? How do we stay open? Um, so I think in some regards, the pandemic kind of accelerated this sense of, we just have to be talking 24 seven and, and, and not intentionally, but I think that's that's happened in in various organizations, especially Lakeland. Um, And I knew that coming into this role, I knew I would not be happy in this role if I didn't have boundaries because my family comes first. Um, I also knew I could do the job really well. So what I wanted to try to do 
was articulate the boundaries and my expectations because I knew if I didn't say it, that my team would not say it. So I think it's really important for the leader to set the tone, you know, for the leadership team around them to also support and set the tone so that everyone in the organization kind of has that same understanding that, you know what, I don't need to be responding to emails at nine o'clock at night and that's okay. Um, and if I, you know, if it's me and I decide, Hey, Jake, I think of something, Jake, and I'm like, I'm going to email Jake and it's 10 o'clock at night. I wouldn't do that. I won't do that because I don't want you to feel like maybe you just happened to check your phone and you saw it. I don't want you to feel like you have to respond. And it, then it just kind of snowballs from there. Yeah. So I think if we can all, even things like setting timers on when your email goes out. So maybe you have a thought and you just want to get it out, but you can also have it not sent at 10 o'clock at night or not sent at three o'clock in the morning, you can have it sent at a time that is within the work hours. So I think there's certainly ways we can do it. Um, but I would say probably when it really hit me was during the pandemic and I could see that not just me, but I could see the entire team was working 24 seven and that's just not sustainable. So it seemed if I were to, to set any boundaries it made sense to do at the start of my new role and just kind of set the tone. So that's what I hoped to do with the team. And then as Jake mentioned, we had various staff sessions, listening sessions throughout the last few weeks where I, I, I shared with all the staff what I shared with my leadership team. So everyone heard the same message. Absolutely. No, I think that's, it, it, it's a huge thing. It's, it's, you know, something, cause we've had that we've, you know, had, individuals email at 10 o'clock and they do it, you know, obviously in, in, in good, they think of something like you had just said, and they just need to get it out. Uh, but then depending on who it is, you just feel so obligated to, to email, you, you know, you, you wake yeah. up to get a drink of water and it's 2am. It's like, Oh boy, I got to respond to this real quick. And yeah. um, especially if it's coming from the president of the university or your own supervisor, you know, you're, you're even more like that. So being able to just set that standard, knowing that this is a 24 seven job a lot of jobs are 24 seven jobs because you kind of just have to always be there or, you know, not necessarily there, but um, if an emergency happens, you, you know, you're, you're available. Uh, but, but one where you can still get what you need done in that allotted, you know, 40, 50 hours per week or so. Uh, and I think the more and more you're getting those emails late at night, um, the more and more it puts a thought into your brain that, uh, I don't have to work too much at nine, 10, 11, because I can always work late and make up for it. And it's like, no, let's, let's work on setting that bound, those boundaries. And I think that's, mm -hmm. um, when you, when you at, at, at first said that in that meeting, I'm like, hell yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be great. <laughs> so I'm excited. Well, and I think we'll have more productive employees in general, yeah. if we, if, and we'll keep more employees if we're not totally burning them out. So exactly. Be yeah. be a, a, a family man and woman and, 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 and a family person and, and, and be an employee and let's make mm -hmm. this happen. Let's be, be happy in all aspects of our lives. And that's how you do it. You can make time for all of it. And some days are going to be busier than others. There's no denying that or some weeks sometimes. And, you know, especially for housing during moving that, yeah. that weekend's going to be crazy for them, yeah. but um, you know, you can still be able to make time for, for your family and your friends and your own enjoyment outside of work and if you like yeah I, job, can, I can't imagine bad. I can't imagine anyone when they're nearing the end of their life looks back and thinks gosh I wish I would have worked just a little bit more I mean a yeah. couple more hours yeah. of overtime that'd be great yeah. <laughs> no it's always the opposite should yep. have done this should have done that but yep 
I have a kind of a related question that um, what, what kind of things do you do for yourself to kind of de-stress or de, I call it like unplugging from the day or de- disconnecting from the day of work to kind of really ease into that home life rather than always be thinking about or figuring out what you're going to do the next day. Well, when I did not live on campus, I had a 45 minute commute. Well, that'll definitely help. (laughs) And that was my kind of decompress, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I just walk across the street, so I don't have a lot of time (laughs) to decompress. (laughs) Um, But now, you know, now that it's nicer out, it's, you know, the kids are outside. Just, Just go outside, get some fresh air, go play catch, kickball. Um, I used to, my big thing when I commuted was, was audiobooks. I listened to a lot of books because I don't typically have a lot of time to read a lot of books. Um, so I do miss that. I need to find out, figure out a way I can get reading back into my regular routine. Um, but I, I would say just spending time with family is, is important, um, yeah, make just making time for family and, and it's okay occasionally to have a date night. I mean, we haven't really during COVID, but schedule some time with my husband where the kids are not going to be there so we can actually have some adult conversation and talk about things. Um, one, of the, one of the things I heard from, well, Dan Eck, and I know you uh, have, have talked with him and stayed in touch with him. One of the things he said to me stuck was make sure you schedule family time, make sure you schedule your vacations, do it because if you don't get it on the calendar, it's not going to happen. Um, so, you know, we're thinking about this summer and, and okay, let's figure out what days we can all take off so that we can hang out and, and decompress a bit when it's not quite as crazy as during the academic year. I think that's good advice. Yeah. Always is. Sure. It's like the one thing you never, never think that you have to make time for but if you don't intentionally make that time then that time just goes to different things so definitely great right. advice to for everyone yeah. to take that advice and use that's something i definitely struggled with in past jobs is never using my pto it's like why do why do i have 85 hours of pto that i've not used it's like should be really utilizing this and just taking a day and or a long weekend or something Mm-hmm. Yeah, just take a Friday every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think that's an important thing because when we think about our sort of self-care, uh, if you will, it's always the individual. What do you do for, for self-care? And I, I go for a walk or I go for a run or I work out or I meditate or take a bath or you know, I don't know, whatever people do. Nobody ever really thinks about the aspect that just spending time with your family, you might not be alone, but that can be a huge self-care thing. And, and having a date night, like you mentioned, and, and mm-hmm. Thursday nights, you know, you, your wife or your husband or you, whoever, you're just going to have a date night. And that could yeah. be your self-care because that's what you need. You're spending time with the people that you love. Um, and, and, you know, so it doesn't, it's just another thing to add to that list of things that you can do for self-care is it doesn't have to be alone. It doesn't have to be a workout class or something. It can just be something, something simple, making dinner with, with, you know, with your, with your spouse, why not? Um, or your kids. And it's, it'd be great. Um, so looking at the first hundred days here, 110 days, 
in the middle of a pandemic and we've in within these hundred days a lot has changed in in society as it as it relates to politics and 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 um social justice and 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 the the pandemic and everything everything has happened outside of the world and and you got a chance to to, to take the lead of a, of a small liberal arts university during all this um what has been kind of a two-part question what has been something that you took over and it was not a shock at all and it's like yeah i expected this and this is exactly how it had it laid out because i think that's doesn't happen too often in in a lot of jobs is where something actually is exactly as you expected it um mm -hmm. and what was something that was the complete opposite you weren't expecting it either you had no idea that that was going to be um something on your plate or, or something that stressed you out um or just something that that was completely different than what you expected. Hmm. Well, that's a tough one, Jake. I <laughs> we hit, we've been thinking about the these questions. all week. It's the hot seat. We hit the, hit you with the tough questions. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the thing that that I'm most comfortable with in my role, but is a big part of my role, but also happened to be a big part of my former role is fundraising and external relations. So I would say that part of what I'm doing, um, I feel like is going well and is something that I'm very comfortable continuing to do. I think um, there's opportunities. Fortunately, there's opportunities, you know, I've, I've built relationships over the last 15 years, but I also now have a different role and that allows potentially the opportunity to open some doors in conversations with with people or companies or whatever that may not have existed had I called as an advancement person. So, um, but yeah, probably the big kind of, yeah, this is going great. We've got good plans. What I'm most comfortable with is probably the fundraising external relations stuff, other than we haven't been able to do in-person external relations because yeah. of the pandemic, but we'll get there. Um, so does that answer the first part yeah, of your question? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Something that was totally... Hmm. There's nothing... Nothing that jumps out in terms of shocking. Certainly the parent thing has been shocking. Sure. That, yeah. that was shocking. Um, Probably maybe not shocking, but the biggest thing that I know I need to learn about, I don't know if that's another way to answer it, yeah. is our campus in Tokyo. There's some really amazing potential there. Um, and we've just made a lot of changes over there, but I know that I have a lot to learn. I'm, I'm reading a book right now on, on Japanese culture and customs. So when I am able to travel there, I, I will as soon as we're able to get into Japan. But um, just understanding and having better um, comfort with knowing the culture and the customs and, and um, how we can take this really unique opportunity. We're one of only two American colleges in the country and, and they're not allowing anyone else in. So we've got this really unique opportunity to provide American education in Tokyo. Um, that's kind of like, I don't know what I don't know, but I know enough that there's huge potential. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I don't know if that kind of gets to the shocking, but that's probably the piece that I look forward to learning more about. And sure. I recognize that I need to learn more about that. So yeah. 
And I think that that really answers the question because, as you said, we're one of two universities in the entire nation. And what the other one's Temple, right? Right. So a much larger university than 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 Lakeland um, mm-hmm. that has a campus in Tokyo. And when you are interviewing to be a president of an American university, college or university, you don't expect that you're going to have an international college or university uh, mm-hmm. in under under that umbrella. So um, I think that that answered, and I think almost everybody at at, at Lakeland in the Wisconsin campus can uh, can learn more about the Japanese uh, the ca- campus and how how that can be utilized for us and and, mm-hmm. and how can we get students over there and their students mm-hmm. over here and you know continue to what do they call that flattening the the world a little bit there mm-hmm. and continue to do that and experience a little bit more that no other college in Wisconsin gets a chance to do so um, yeah yeah and I think and I'm not sure how familiar you are with some of the changes that occurred but we have always been a two-year campus Tokyo we got mm-hmm. approval to be a four-year so to offer our first bachelor's degree programs which then for our students in Wisconsin is huge because if you want to do a study abroad, it was hard to do because they only offered really the first two years. But now your junior year, you could consider doing a a semester in Tokyo, which is amazing. The opportunity is huge. So I'm hoping we can get more students. And and again, this is a fundraising strategy too. How can we raise dollars to make funds available for students who, who aspire to study abroad? Yeah, for sure. Oh, I love it. I just I get excited hearing about all the all the, <laughs> the things that are that are that are coming or things that are kind of been, being put on the table and and yeah. how they how they can go. Speaking of things to come, enjoy this quick ad by Anchor. We'll be right back. There it is. Well done. Not the first time. <laughs> Welcome back. And sorry if you hear Lacey in the background, but I have one more tough question. Maybe maybe not. Hopefully it's not tough. Um, and hopefully it's <laughs> the last one. My questions or last? Tough la- questions? No, last of the tough questions. Um, here. Yeah, um, but I think a question that I'm always uh, interested in asking, especially when it's it's involved in education and especially higher education, is does is Lakeland planning to do anything different um, to kind of work with discussing diversity and like promoting equality within within the campus? Um, currently with like everything going on with um like black lives matters and everything like that is there anything that you're going to continue to do because i know you guys did a lot um when it was really in the thick of things and like things were really starting to like feet were hitting the ground and things were starting to change uh is there any plans or um things you guys are going to continue to do to kind of work that into what lakeland is yeah there's um Before this past summer, when things got a bit more heated, we had already put together a a whole string of of training and development and all kinds of things that we could do to embed DEI work into so much of what we do. And we went back and forth. Do we need a DEI officer? You know, and, and it was like, you know, this needs to be something that we all understand and that we all receive training and development on. So last summer, we were able to um, our, our campus chaplain and our director of multicultural affairs put together a year-long training for the what we call kind of this larger leadership team, which is a group of about 25 from all around campus that are leaders and, and mid-level managers in various areas. And we continue to go through 
um, training in, in a book, a guided book read. Um, we did, you know, of course, as we always do, we celebrate MLK Day, but we did also cel celebrate the dedication of the Rosa Parks and John Lewis Plaza. Um, we have had a variety of things going on. Most recently, what was really exciting to me anyways, was how can we think about what we're doing, not just here in the little town of Herman, but what we're doing in the broader community. And um, the Sheboygan Area School District, their team that's working on DEI met with our team and we found some really cool opportunities to collaborate. So one of the things we recently received a grant for is to help build a pipeline in our education program to encourage students, um, BIPOC students to consider a, a degree in education and to offer additional scholarship support and additional support that would also include a guaranteed interview with the Sheboygan Area School District because we're trying to help them hire more teachers that look like their students. So there's some really collaborative and unique, I think, community opportunities to make a broader impact beyond our campus. Um, there's um, yeah, I, there's some really great opportunities. It's definitely something we talk about all the time, obviously, given today's world and in reality. Um, but I think we've laid some really good um, groundwork in recent years that will help us not only impact our students and support our students, but also, again, be, be a community partner and a community resource and, and have a broader impact, which to me is really exciting. Yeah, I was hoping you would mention the 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 partnership, if you will, with the Sheboygan School District, because I saw you on yeah. the news and I was like, oh, we're interviewing her next week. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. And I love to hear that kind of stuff, especially being an alumni of the school and um, trying to trying to reach a larger audience rather than just the students, but uh, incorporating the community as well, because it's such a yeah. such an important thing for for people to be doing and being active within. So. Yeah, I think we have a unique opportunity being the only really four-year liberal arts in the region to, to somehow play a role um, in a broader way in the region, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah definitely. for sure. And, and, and not to mention, um, and, and I like how you asked this, this, this question, Jeremy, like how, yes, there was a lot that was done when everything was really, really hot and really, you know, getting the boots on the ground and being a doing something at that time, but what are you going to continue to do? And, and yes. what, what has been put in place to, to continue doing is, is, is incredible. And, and, you know, certainly not uh, the end of it, but an, an incredible way to, to continue pushing for, for equity and social justice. And um, yeah. in, in a world that, you know, even when it's not the forefront on the, on the news every, every morning uh, or every mm -hmm. night, it's, it's something to keep doing. Um, so, Another thing that we've, you know, started, you know, really focusing on over the last couple of episodes is the idea of sort of, 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 of leaders in our lives and mentors in our lives. Um, who has been somebody that stands out to you that's just been a leader or a mentor for you that's really played a, a, a significant role in, 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 in where, where you've gotten? Mm -hmm. I think um, Dr. Black I was hoping that's what you were going to say his, so I could double up cool on this guy. question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've certainly had other mentors along the way and, and not even just mentors, but different 
leaders with different styles that I've learned from, um, good and bad, that help kind of develop what my style is. There are certain things I've I've liked along the way and certain things I've totally avoided because I did not like at all when a supervisor did X, Y, Z. So I think my style has kind of been a, a culmination of a lot of different um, leaders and, and colleagues that I've had the chance to work with. Um, but Dr. Black, certainly working with him um, during his time here was was really helpful. Absolutely. So doubling down on that question, because I was going to ask a specific question about the legend himself, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Black. Um, but you, 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 you led me to it here. What we all know that he was incredible, an incredible uh, individual. Obviously, I, I was lucky enough to, to, you know, work with him as president for what, four out of my five years there, three and a half out of my five years at Lakeland so far as an employee. Um, Jeremy got a chance to meet him multiple times when he was working, especially when he was working with College Possible. Um, but you worked with Dr. Black a little bit you know, more regularly and, and you got to see him more regularly. What, what was it about him that just made him so special, such a great leader and, and you know, someone that just really stood out um, you know, compared to, to others, perhaps. I think he was always honest um, and authentic. I mean, he just was genuinely authentic. He cared about people. He asked about family. Um, there was nothing fake about how he approached employees or, you know, donors or whoever it might be. Um, I think why the two of us worked so well together is in he he was really gifted at at seeing kind of long-term vision and ideas. I mean, no shortage of ideas. Um, where I could help kind of, okay, take all of these ideas and let's prioritize and figure out how to make the top three work. <laughs> so we kind of balanced each other in that way. But I certainly learned a lot about thinking about how to how to see things more visionary, how to, how to identify opportunities in connecting the dots that in, in a way that maybe someone else wouldn't see, but once you say it out loud and put it on paper, it totally makes sense. And I don't know if that, if that makes sense yeah. or not. Um, he, he taught me the word SM plastic, which I never um, knew what that meant, but he, he told Neither me. Neither do we. Was... <laughs> That's one I, I definitely don't know. He, he said, you know what, you're really SM plastic. And I said, I don't know what that means. <laughs> that good <laughs> but yeah being able to 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 see a lot of different things but but bring those little dots together to create something that's real i don't know if that makes sense yeah, yeah good. i'm Absolutely. glad you told us because i was going to try to google that and i have no idea how to spell it <laughs> i don't even know how to spell it <laughs> not even close yeah that's that really i mean now that you say that really puts it all together like he yeah. was he was a visionary by the you know, closest thing to, to, uh, you know, the best visionary that I've ever personally had the chance of meeting. And you, I, you would talk to him. And I just, I remember one time and I'm still knocking out wood that this happens is we were, we were sitting for, for lunch. It was myself, Sam, and a couple others from, from, from Lakeland and also in the community. And he brought up this random idea why it came up. I don't know, but of making a two-year JUCO junior college, that would partner with Lakeland, but we'd have the JUCO in Milwaukee and we would just make it all work. And it was like, that might've been the first time he tossed that idea, but I was so pumped after that meeting is we got to figure out how to do this. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and 
oh man, he, he, he always, every time you had a conversation with him, you knew that you were going to leave more motivated than you've ever been in your life. And, uh, yeah, he was, he, he still is an incredible individual and, uh, maybe, maybe we can get him on the, on, on beer with the boys sometime. Yeah. Who knows? I'd be I'd, every time when I was there, when we visited with college possible and <clears throat> some of the students that are still there, shout out to, to Santi and Stanisha. Yep. They're doing great. At least from what I've seen. Um, yep. but I, what, the one thing I remember from that visit is when he spoke, he just spoke like he was a, like he was your best friend. Like everyone mm-hmm. in the room was his friend and was, he was your friend and it was just, it just took you back for a step. You're like, wow, this guy really knows what he's doing. He's just, yeah. yeah. That, that might be our first like five hour episode. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think we would I'll... ever be able to end that conversation. It'd be incredible. Um, so a uh, 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 next question that I have here um, is, as, 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 as many people know, I think I brought it up on the podcast and, and such. One of my dream jobs, if you will, is to become a university or college president um, one day. So as somebody that has climbed a ladder, that has gotten there, um, that is now killing it in the role, um, what would be your advice to somebody that wants to be in that role? some in their future at some point. I think in today's world of higher ed, it used to be the tradition that you kind of came up through the ranks of academia. And a lot of times it was former faculty that would move up through the ranks into Dean or whatever it might be. And um, I think what we're seeing much more common in today's world is Yes, it's important to understand the classroom and it's important to understand academics, but it's also equally important to understand how to run a business. Um, and I know sometimes that sounds controversial in a higher ed, but but that's the reality. You, you have to balance the books or we don't keep the doors open. So you have to understand kind of the operation side of everything. A college president has to be a good fundraiser. That's, you just have to be. Um, so understanding the external relations and fundraising side of the house is essential. Um, but I will add when I finished my, when, right before I defended my dissertation, I taught my first course. I did, I dabbled a little bit in, in Opus, which was fun and, you know, not credit bearing, but it was just a great way to be in the classroom and get to be close with the students. Um, but this past semester, I did teach a course in, in business, um, an upper level business to, uh, course. And that was really eye-opening to understand not only our students, but what our faculty have to go through. So I'm glad that I did that. And I think that made me a better candidate in the end because I it, it was a brief experience, but it was better than no experience yes. in academia. Um, and actually I would welcome the opportunity once I get my kind of feet wet a little bit more and things are a, a little bit different pandemic wise to, to, you know, to teach a course every couple yeah. of years, I think to keep a pulse on the current student is really important because the demographics keep changing. Our students keep changing. We keep getting older, but they're the same age and we have to be able to, to reach them and to meet them where they're at. So I do think any college president, um, having the opportunity to in some way, shape or form, be a part of the classroom is going to be important. But I think understanding, you know, I was fortunate that my past role as executive vice president allowed me to, you know, I, I oversaw admissions, I oversaw athletics and financial aid and co-op and 
fundraising. And I, I really understood the inner workings of everything outside of act academics. Um, and I think it's really important to have that perspective. Perfect. Add it to my list. We're going to make it happen. I'm going to be teaching a class next semester. Write it down now. Yeah. Sounds good. To do it. Sounds good. I'll co-teach just for fun. But <laughs> my special guest speaker. <laughs> um, I have a, I don't know if it's a fun question or a hard question, but I just thought of it. And <clears throat> I know I definitely have a list um, with some of my past work experience with College Possible. Uh, but what is one thing you wish you could change about the higher ed college world? Hopefully it's a fun one, not too, not a, not a hard, hard hitting question. I think, I think we've already take some, taken some really bold steps in recent years with cooperative education and trying to figure out a pathway that not only is a fabulous way to learn, but is also an affordable pathway for anyone willing to put in the work. And I just, I really firmly believe that what we've done is unique. Um, it's addressing a lot of challenges for fu the future of higher ed. And I hope that, you know, it takes a long time to transition the entire business model of a university and the brand of a university. But I think we've made really good progress in three-ish years, especially one being COVID. Um, but to con I think for us to completely see this through and 100% become a co-op university is going to set us apart from our competitors mm -hmm. at a time when it's going to be really important to have a competitive advantage. And if we can graduate students with little or no debt and they stay in the region and contribute can contribute to the economy immediately because they don't they're not straddled with debt that's going to have a much broader societal impact um, down the road and then that makes us viewed as a uh, a partner and a resource to the community man i love it gets me motivated makes me want to go yeah. to work right now <laughs> let's go yeah, <laughs> build some skills put some work in oh man so i think i just oh I just blinked on the question and I was going to ask because so I know which one I want to end on, but I'm looking at the time here. Yeah, I'm making sure that we have time for a few more. I don't want to ask that. And then we end on a different question. Um, do you have another one that you're thinking of? Yeah. Um, what's your favorite part about being president? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I knocked that one out of the park. Can't forget to ask that one. That's my favorite <laughs> question to go to. What's your favorite part about whatever it is you do? Boom. <laughs> But no, this one's cool, though, because um, we both went to Lakeland. We're alumni, and we both loved Lakeland in different ways. Yeah, I think being with the students is is really rewarding and um, is so important for me to be able to do my job well, is to understand where the students are at. It's been tricky with the pandemic to not be able to gather, but as much as possible, I have been meeting with small groups, you know, masked and social distance and all that kind of stuff. But I look forward to the day when we can have more conversations. I've talked with our um, Student Government Association president about having joint open office hours. Maybe once a month, we have a couple hours of office hours where, where the student government president is there and I'm there and we're just able to listen and talk with students. Um, Definitely, and overwhelmingly, I heard that when I had the staff listening sessions, I think people stay at Lakeland because of the students. So that certainly has been the most enjoyable part of the job so far, because I'm able to 
meet with the students in a different way that that it just wouldn't have been the same in my prior role. I think that's always the one of the best answers to hear is especially when you're in a role where you're working with people like that is when you say the people that you work with rather than like, oh, I really like the fact that I've got my own house or something. But no, I really, that's awesome. And um, that's definitely something I wish I took more advantage of when I was a student at Lakeland because I was definitely the, the guy that went to class, went to wrestling practice, went to my dorm, and that was it. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a question that you asked during our, our future focus meetings and, but I'm going to spin it out. So we, we, we're not, we don't have to be biased on anything. Okay. So we get a Lakeland gets a $25 million donation <laughs> <laughs> and it, instead of just what would you do with that overall, we're able to add anything, something that we don't have at whatsoever it would be a brand new thing for us. What would be the first thing that you would want to add to our campus or to, you know, to the university as, as a whole? So one of the things that I'm really passionate about is study abroad. And I would love to figure out a way to raise dollars to support a fund that could provide, let's say, a stipend for every student. Once you hit junior year, you have access to $3,000 to travel wherever you want. And it could be to Tokyo because your tuition's covered. It could be to our partner institutions in Luxembourg or in England. We've got enough partnerships, but I think the challenge for our students is paying for the travel. If we could overcome that hurdle and tie that to experiential learning and having them actually earn credit for the experience of travel abroad and maybe they're journaling and reflecting on their experience with other students that are in a couple different countries. That to me, I think could be really powerful, not only an amazing learning opportunity, but a great, you know, recruiting tool. Hey, come to Lakeland. And if you, when you get to your junior year, there's kind of this carrot here for you to to do something that you're probably never going to have the chance to do in your entire life. And if we could fund that, I think that could be really, really transformational. All right. So two, yeah, two response questions to that. (laughs) One, I love it. How can I help? Two, (laughs) since we graduated from Lakeland and we technically made it to our junior year, are we grandfathered? We get that. that, (laughs) We'll have to talk about how to grandfather you in. Maybe we could do an alumni. Just Something. us two, though, and well, a couple other people too, but it'll be an exclusive list. Yes. Yes. Um, oh man, that was—I love that answer. Right there. I cool. never thought of the idea of having you get to a certain point, you get that stipend, and like you, cause they always think of scholarships and whatnot. But you put into a, you know a stipend like that, you know, you get your travel costs and whatever's left over. You have a little bit of spending money when you're over there, or something like that, or you can go on a second trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's. Oh man, that's, that's why you're president. I love it right there. I'm, I get, I'm getting more and more excited. Uh, Jeremy, you have any other questions? Not right now. I can't think of too many. I feel like I've stuck with the hard questions and my only fun one was the haunted house thing, which. I'm sorry to have bored you, nothing. Jeremy. No, it's okay. <laughs> nothing, nothing yet. <laughs> I just thought we always had weird experiences with, with stuff at Lakeland. So yeah. yeah. And I yeah. took um, the afterlife class with uh professor lynch yes and someone did a ouija board on lakeland so i've always always been curious 
there's something running around there. House. Hmm. Yeah. So that is happy hour. Right on time. The last question that I have before we switch it over to you. You went from first generation college student, paying your way through college, working your butt off to get through college to university president. What, what is the, the, the one thing that you can say that helped get you there? What can people do, whether they're a first generation college student, whether they don't know if college is in their, in their radar, going from that role to, to running the whole, the whole show? What is the, uh, the, the trait or the, the daily thing that you can do to make that happen? Hmm. I would say as you're starting your pathway, don't ever think that any work is beneath you um, because it's gonna help you learn things that will help you as you advance. Um, and when you advance, Mm. You know, I just heard a quote from, oh gosh, I can't think of where it was, but nobody wins when smart people play small. So don't underestimate yourself. You've got the skills, you've got the ability, reach for things. If you don't, and you never see what you could be, nobody wins. So I would say, yeah, I, can, I can see it on both ends. Don't um, don't ever think that works beneath you, but also make sure to to stretch beyond um, and believe in yourself t- to go for new things. Why does this it. always happen? I always get really fired up after we record. That's yeah, happening again. That's exactly. We should know that 7 p.m. on Tuesdays is go time. For yeah, us. We're, we're ready to go. We're always ready to rock. <laughs> so with that, this is the time where we turn it over to you. What What questions might you have for us? Okay, beyond the crazy pool guy, what is the most weird thing you heard on Switchboard? <laughs> oh boy. Um, I mean, that certainly tops it. But yeah, that was probably mine, one of the best ones. Yeah, mine isn't as good as that, and I still have no idea why it happened. I can assume that it was just uh, some student putting me down as letter of reference or something, but I got a call from i was working switchboard during during the pandemic and i got a call from i think it was millipore sigma and from their hr department calling the switchboard asking to verify that i worked at lakeland and they they're like does jacob matchtel work at work at lakeland <laughs> and i said I'll, I'll transfer you to hr real quick <laughs> i had no idea why they were calling it and and i that, you know, I wish I could say that, yeah, I was applying and that was something they were doing, but that's not my (laughs) industry. That's not what I'm good at, but yeah, having a switchboard call asking to verify that I work there and just switch, you know, transferring that over to, to HR. That was, I had no idea what to think. I thought I was in trouble and (laughs) nothing has come out of it. So yeah. So I, I'll, I'll, I got two stories, two short ones. Um, you one, have all the good ones for this. Uh, I, I had a converse, about a five to ten minute conversation with a prospective student because he called the switchboard and I answered. And I was like, hi, this is Lakeland University. Anyway, or Lakeland College at the time. We talked for probably five to ten minutes about the school until he finally asked me where the school was located. 
I'm like, yeah, it's in, it's right outside of Sheboygan High School. He's like, oh, where's that? It's in Wisconsin. He's like, oh, never mind, and just hung up on me. So that one was was strange, but I think I think the most fun phone story working at Lakeland was when we were on the call team, and we call, I think our shift was like between seven and eight p.m. Yeah, and let me tell you, when you get a dad of or da- so. You, you call a, someone's daughter and the dad answers the phone and you're this guy calling at seven between 7 and 8 p.m. asking for their daughter. <laughs> you get the most weird responses. And who might you be? And uh, who are you? And all the fun the fun responses they gave us when we called asking for their daughters at it's, 7 it's p.m. Jake at night. from from Lakeland. It's Jake. It's like, Jeremy <laughs> from Lakeland. I think your daughter applied. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, we, we got her number somehow, so... It's like, I don't believe you. Hmm. Hang up on us. It's fun. I don't remember all the good ones, though. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think I, definitely, the, there was some good ones before. I just don't The old guy else. was definitely the craziest It was one. definitely yeah. the most fun. He said. It was a 15-minute conversation about how bad he wanted a friend. So. Yeah, I remember. I was sitting right next to you, and this was when we were working. We were in the back part of Nash and, and where all the student desks are. And I just, you're still on this phone with this guy. I just wanted to. I just wanted someone's help, but no one knew what to say to this man. Where, where do I send him? I just pretend to take down his information and didn't really pass it along because it seemed very creepy to do. So, oh, Well, it was a kind thing to do to listen. Right. We gave him 15 minutes that he wouldn't have had with anyone else. But did that open the door for him to call every week and just have someone well, to talk yeah. to him? You might be his best friend right I now. I could be. You don't know. Uh, maybe I should try to call him back, see if he yeah. ever found someone. Dig through the records. We can find, it. find his number. Uh, yes. What? Any other questions you have for us? I don't think so. I mean, I know you've been asked the kind of regular. And I listened to, yeah. to Dan's Dan's conversation in terms of Lakeland stuff. Um, okay, twenty five million dollar question. I know Jake, you were in this this, but what would you guys do as alums if we were given twenty five million dollars? How do you think we should? What do you think we should do with it? Jeremy, you go first here. Put me on the spot. I don't know if you guys work there. Um, dang. Well, so the the idea that I, I heard before, I don't know if this was true or Meckley just uh, telling me stories, blowing smoke up my butt here, but um, he mentioned that there might have been a co-op opportunity for them to build a brewery on campus. And um, I swear I did not bring that up before this interview in between last week and, and, and this, I swear. Yeah. So he told me that might've been an opportunity. I'm like, well, I would love to, to learn how to brew beer. And it, I haven't heard anything since this was like two years ago or something when co-op was really getting started. So mm-hmm. I'd use that $25 million to, to help build a brewery or something yeah. um, and employ myself to learn how to brew beer. as like an apprentice, but on a serious note, um, I mean, I think something that at Lakeland that I kind of, I wish they had, well, I don't know. I just, I feel like I don't know what's really going on, like where, what things could be there. I haven't been to Lakeland in a while. Um, but you need to come out, Jeremy. I know I've been, I've been trying to, but pandemic and stuff. So I think I, I, I'm just going to, I think I've got a new idea. Um, so we would work on a three thousand dollar grant for students to study abroad. Oh, and <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I love it, Jeremy. That's great. It's a great no. Um, yeah, I think I think just improving the co op program as yeah. much as possible, just to really 
really helps students because I know College Possible back when I was there, that was uh, the new thing, and it really swayed students to attend Lakeland, and some of those students are doing really well, so I think yeah. continuing to improve that to, to help close that, that gap for students that don't have the financial ability to pay for to pay for college and really kind of help yeah. close that uh, the degree divide, as you will. So I think that's something that I would definitely invest that $25 million in along with yeah. my, my cushy brewery job. So yeah. I swear. And Jake may have mentioned that several that times. I, I, that's something that <laughs> he mentioned it like a long time ago. I'm like, oh, that'd be really cool. I'm just glad you <laughs> remembered that. And that was the first thing you said here because that's the exact answer that I gave <laughs> a week ago when I had this. It was so, yes, of course that. Uh, but in, in all honesty, like I've read the, 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 the vision plan and the strategic plans that, that have come through. And I was actually driving home today um, and I saw a student um, the, like running around the block and such. And I honestly love the idea of taking the land that we have all over and, and really making that industrial park, if you will, and, and having a variety of locations, a variety of companies there. So students don't necessarily have to run around the block. And maybe I just have bad memories of that from wrestling and running the, running the, the block. The block. Um, and, uh, and, but being able to just like kind of run through that and there's yeah. just a bunch of cool things and there's a brewery <laughs> there and there's, you know, uh, you know, Kohler has a little shop there and this, that, and the other thing, there's a bunch of, of, of that and really expanding the university and, and, and making it a little bit, just a little bit bigger. And I, and I think we're at a, at a great size, but having more, more landmass, we, we already have that, but you know, let's put it, put a Taco Bell on campus. I don't know. And, and, and just little things like that would be cool. And, but another thing that, that I I've been thinking about as of late, and this is really because I recently moved to Sheboygan and, and, and I'm now experiencing all the things that are to do in Sheboygan but being able to have some off-campus housing. So whether that's buying an apartment complex or, um, or a hotel or, you know, whatnot, mm -hmm. but then having the option that when, once you hit your junior year, not only do you get a $3,000 stipend to study abroad, but you also have the opportunity to live off campus in one of our air, in one of these mm -hmm. areas. So you could really experience Sheboygan. You're old enough that you can you know, go visit the, the you know, the, the, the bars or so and have that sort of mm -hmm. experience that, a lot of people picture college to be at, at one point, um, but really just see how cool of a community that Sheboygan is. Um, and I think when a lot of students grow up thinking about college, especially in Wisconsin, the first thought goes to Madison because every student in Wisconsin minus maybe, you know, one or, you know, maybe two schools will go and visit UW-Madison at one point yeah. during their time and they'll walk down State Street and like, this is college. And then all of a sudden they'll come visit Lakeland. We don't have a State Street. And, and but being able to have that opportunity is like, no, we have Sheboygan. We're right next to Sheboygan. We have a lot of Lakeland alum who are business owners in Sheboygan having that opportunity. And then we have the shuttle running you mm -hmm. know, from at eight at noon and at four so you can get to class and such. Um, but at the end of the day, you can experience yeah. The community um, has always been been something fun um, to 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 do that, and uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be cool. And enjoy some, on campus. And enjoy some of Scooter's Ale. 
Yes. Scooter's <laughs> Ale. There's Scooter's another ale. There's another name for you. Oh, man. Hey, the brewery, we could get the science program, the marketing program, the business yeah, food, program. Food safety and quality, that, that yep. works into there. I have yeah. my biology degree, so I'll be back, you know. We, right. I think we would be the in. only school in Wisconsin that actually has a brewing science program. <laughs> Most of them are in California. I'm sold. I'll be oh. there. Write it down. Just let me know when it's <laughs> opening. I'll be there. Yep. And then make it make it up make it a, a, a brewery and pub, and yes. employees could go grab lunch there during the day. Oh man. Yeah. The possibilities are endless. I'm sold. Yes. Let's do it. Absolutely. And Done. we can. And then you use that study abroad uh, stipend to go to Germany to learn German beer. Yes. Oh, man, look at that. And Ireland. It's all coming together. Connecting the dots. Oh, man. I can't wait till our meeting in a year when when this is a uh, this is all set our recording <laughs> when we're talking about the brewery getting built. All right. What well, any other questions that you have for us? No, I don't think so. I, I just I appreciate you guys reaching out and Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, we appreciate you you coming on the show and uh and and, and making time uh outside of the, the the work day for us during wheel of fortune time and uh <laughs> <laughs> so no we uh so we have two more questions for you here uh, which of course i prepped you for but the first one in the inevitable world this is gonna happen hollywood's gonna <laughs> come to you and they're gonna they're gonna make a movie about beth borgen and and it's gonna win a couple of oscars who do you have you playing in that movie and who do you have playing two of your favorite podcasters in, in myself and Jeremy? So I thought about this long and hard. <laughs> I think I would be played by Tina Fey. Ooh, okay. Good answer. I like it. I like it. Yep. Jake, you would be played by the late, great Chris Farley. Oh, man. And Jeremy, you would be played by Will Ferrell. She, I don't know if they've it ever. Be that would be an electric movie. It would be. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad I got that. Is an honor. Yeah, <laughs> that really is honor for both of us. So Will Ferrell, you, you've got yeah. Will Ferrell a couple of times. Yeah, and uh, Chris. Oh. You can't go wrong with Chris Farley. You Everyone can't loves go Chris wrong Farley. Oh, one of my favorite funny people ever. Yes. And the movies that you watch over and over and over are those movies. That's true. Right? That'd be, yes. Could you imagine that duo, though? Chris Farley and Will Ferrell? Yeah, it'd be amazing. Unreal. And Tina Fey. Tina Fey play, in the mix? Oh, my yeah. God. Greatest movie. Even though that scene would only last, like, a minute, but <laughs> at least we made an appearance. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So... Um, <laughs> follow-up question in there because i kind of want to think about think about this and this is not one that you got to think of who would play dr black in this movie oh i I have to stump i have to stump you a little bit clint eastwood oh i was gonna say george clooney or um Mm. the fockers guy I'm watching you. Okay. De Niro. De Niro. Oh, I feel like yeah. De Niro. De Niro. Yep. That's who I, I was thinking of, Robert <laughs> De Niro. De Niro. That would be good. That would be good. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be great. We're going to make this movie. There's so many movies we got to make happen. I know. This is like the 15th one, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll fit it in. Yes. Lots of screenplays, right? It'll be find, good. Find a way to get Chris Farley involved. 
in some way. Just knock on his door, maybe. Hologram, and we'll we'll make it work. That'll be great. <laughs> so, excellent. Well, our final question, as every good night at the bar or distillery or brewery ends, the person sitting next to you, the person giving you all sorts of wisdom all night, leaves you with one final bit of wisdom at closing time. Beth, what is your closing time wisdom for us and all of the listeners here? So my closing time wisdom is life is too short. Work somewhere that doesn't feel like work. Boom. That's it. Period. That's all we need. Mic drop. Mm -hmm. Done. Empty glass on the bar sound. (laughs) Let's get out of here. That's that goosebumps walk away. I like it. Oh, man. Yes. Well, Dr. Beth Morgan. Is it weird being called doctor now? It is kind of weird, yes. Okay. Well, Dr. <laughs> Beth Morgan, wait, thank you so wait, much. Wait, wait. Got to plug oh. the plug the Instagram for the presidents. Your yeah. oh, yeah. Lakeland yes. president. I don't know the, the handle, though. Yes. Where where can people find you or follow you on, on social media? Oh, um, there, let me look. There, there is a L-U. There it is. I got it. You see it? So it's L-U Musky Presidents on Instagram. You can follow along with all of Beth's Lakeland adventures and everything she does there. Yeah. So we had to plug I was not on Instagram until David G told me I need to be on Instagram. So he created the LU Muskies president account. There it is. But I've been learning and I've been posting and yeah. She also has a little a story thing that says fins up. So for you Dolphins fans. Fins up. Let's go. Fins up. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yes, we had to plug that one for you at least and go check her out on the plug av she was just a guest on that oh, yeah. yes. podcast as well Absolutely. yes plug them plug the yeah. plug check her out follow beth follow lakeland some great things are happening it's incredible it's exciting to be be employed there it's, and it's exciting to be an alum of, of the place um i i'm oh man it looks it looks great the future is bright fins up i get to say that double now for dolphins and muskies let's go <laughs> um so but but dr beth Borian, thank you so much for coming on the show um thank you for making time during wheel of fortune uh and and and, and look forward to, to having you on again uh and and when 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 we have the international or the uh, uh when we get the 25 million dollars when we have that and we can do more when we have a brewery and we're talking yeah. about all of that i'm excited so um but with that ladies and gentlemen i have been jake he has been jeremy she has been dr beth borian and we have been beer with the boys may the beer be with you and forever with your soul we love you bye